Hello and welcome to the Swift Legacy Podcast, a show where we talk all things Taylor Swift with focus on her early career. We're your hosts, Amy and Rachel, and today we're going to be talking about another of Taylor's unreleased songs. Hey guys, welcome back to the Swift Legacy podcast. We are super excited to be talking about one of our all-time favorite unreleased songs, All Night Diner. So All Night Diner is an unreleased song that a lot of people know purely because when you open the Google Drive or Dropbox, they are in alphabetical order and All Night Diner is usually the first one or one of the first ones to be listened to. So it's quite well known within the fandom I would say would you? I think All Night Diner is probably the most known unreleased song outside of the massive ones like Dark Blue Tennessee probably because it literally is at the top of the unreleased songs list it's definitely the first song when you put it alphabetically that is in circulation yeah we've got Acting Like a Boy, All of the Girls, A Little More Like You and then All Night Diner comes in at number four but that is the first one that's actually circulated yeah when do you think All Night Diner was written? Okay, well, I just read the Genius Lyrics page and it says 2005, but I I would have placed it around 2005 anyway. Obviously, we know the Genius Lyrics isn't necessarily accurate. I would, because it's a Liz Rose collaboration, I would say it's one of their earlier collaborations, maybe early 2005. Do you think it's a fictional song or do you think it's like a real experience for Taylor? Okay, well, if we look at the line, I go to work, work all day, I'm a walking tape recorder of everything you say, it sounds like she's working with this guy, which obviously in 2005, she was still in high school. If she means, if she means she goes to school and she works all day, it's feasible. She could have just changed it to make it sound like an older song if she was potentially going to be pitching it to other artists. What what does she mean by the lyric, I'm a walking tape recorder of everything you say? Is it like, I listen to everything you say all day? Or is it like, I, I repeat everything that you say to me, like to other people? Like, you know how when you're so close to somebody, their phrases and their slogans become things that you say? I've always, I can't interpreted, figure it out. I've always interpreted it as she remembers every single thing that he said. But then like, you've got the following lyric, walk to the car, dig out my keys, stop thinking if you were with anyone but me. Start. Like, has she been with him all day? Stop or start. Start, start thinking. thinking if you start thinking if you were with anyone but me. Is yeah. it start? I always yeah. thought it was stop. I thought it was like she was telling herself to like stop freaking out. The whole point of the song is that she's mm. thinking what her life would be like if she wasn't with this guy. So it's, oh, she starts to think. Yeah, so it like leads in. Oh my God, I've been singing that wrong for like 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> no, she starts to think if he was with anyone but her, she would be a stranger in an all-night diner. God, do you know, I've only just made that connection and I'm so embarrassed right now because this is being recorded for a podcast. If we were having this in a normal conversation, I'd be like, oh, right, that makes sense. And I'm like, mm, great. Swift Legacy Podcast okay, Mythbuster. So- start thinking if you were with anyone oh god I always like pictured it like she'd gone to work she'd worked all day and she's she's just got him on the brain and she's walking to her car digging out her keys she's like oh god stop thinking that he was with somebody else all day you know he wasn't so it, are you thinking it's like a fictional song about a waitress in an all-night diner who, and that's her job 
No, I don't. I've never thought it was a waitress. I thought she would have been like sat in an all night diner, mm-hmm. eating waffles, being sad. Eating waffles and eating being waffles. sad. I like exactly. That. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I picture it. Um, I I don't know if I maybe think it's more of a Drew Dunlap song or maybe a Sam song when they were that. happy before things like. Is it just me? Or is it like kind of a sad song? Almost like the whole like hook and the and the phrases of it are about being lonely and being a stranger and not having anyone. But it's actually a really happy song. But it, correct me if I'm wrong, it's played in a minor key for a lot of it. Like it's 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 quite morose. Like the line that's like lonely like a harbour light that's never seen a boat, like a line in an old love letter that no one ever wrote. I'm almost like is it almost sarcasm? Like, without you, I'd be a stranger in an all-night diner. I'd be lonely like a harbour light that never saw a boat. I don't, I don't know. Think almost it's sarcastic. Sarcastic. It does. It feels it to me. Like maybe I'm just like flowing back to like my year ten English lit classes, where it's like, um, who is that poet laureate? Carol, someone that like did um a poem about going to France, and it was like, do you mind if we not go to the Louvre and say sod off to sodding Notre Dame? And it's like this like romantic trip to Paris with your partner but you hate it but it, like it's like subtext okay but then I mean, I'm like oh Taylor was 15 is, is she really writing in subtext at that point to be fair I think Taylor was very idealistic and mm. hopeless romantic she said that herself multiple times I mm-hmm. think and I think this is honestly just a really it is kind of sad in a way because it's saying how dependent she is on somebody else for her happiness. Yeah. And I don't think it's meant to be perceived that way, but I think looking at it from the perspective of kind of an older person, maybe looking back on it, it's quite it's, sad. It's like watching The Bachelor yeah. and these all these girls being like, I need you to love me for validation. Yeah, it's a bit like the song you do, the unreleased song. Oh, I love I that. I don't know if you remember that one. That leaked quite late. That one did. Um, mm. And I think the only the main version of it that went around is like super pitch, but it's like obsessive. Like, like, like what is it? Boy, you've got me like a shot to the heart. You've got, got me shaking so, so bad. bad. I spilled my, my coffee, coffee in, my in the car. car. I love Which that I song. I literally did last week. <laughs> Caught a red light, ran right through. Got to call my friends, tell them all about you. It's it's quite. I don't want to say obsessive. But it definitely, yeah, you can definitely tell it was written by a teenager. Yeah. And I Which think is so a sweet. lot of her early work, there were a lot of those kind of themes and tendencies. So I don't mm. think it's out of character. I think this is very, very much a Taylor Swift song. Yeah, that's true. And it's it's very, I honestly think like those lyrics about Lonely Like a Harbour Light and the, the line in the love letter never wrote. I think that's some of the best things she's ever written. They're very like, folklore evermore style kind of writing it really really is and I wonder if it will come back on the debut vault because I think out of everything that's on her unreleased debut work All Night Diner is probably the most like something she'd write now maybe maybe with less of the dependency but um I poetically think, I think the maybe the verses could use some work but poetically the chorus is next mm-hmm. level but it's almost quite similar to Out of the Woods structurally in the way that, do you remember Taylor described Out of the Woods as um, the verses reading like something from a diary, but then the choruses being like very, very full on, like relatable universally. So it's like, um, I wake up, I stretch out, I wonder what you're doing right now. I take the towel out of my hair, 
find myself something decent to wear. It's it's very very. It's, yeah, it's like she's writing a diary in in all night diner. It really really is. Yeah, I can definitely see what you mean with that. Also, the first um, the first verse reminds me of I Heart Question Mark for some reason. Just kind of right. the way that it's written of <laughs> like she's in her room, she's taking a makeup off, she's putting makeup on, all of that. Like it I don't know. I can see parallels for some reason. But I think that's what makes it a Taylor Swift song. Like you said, a very authentic Taylor Swift song is she's not writing it for anybody else. Like she's writing it fully for herself. And I think that was the beauty of, especially with her first two albums, is she really, really, really did not expect anybody to relate to these songs as personally as she did when she wrote them. But they did. And I think that is, that's what makes an authentic Taylor Swift song. It really, really is. Oh yeah, here's the bridge. Now, in my opinion, the bridge is more like a verse three. It's not, it's not a swift bridge. It's not bridge city. No way. It's not even Bridge Village, to be honest. It's just it's the place bridge where the Hamlet. bridge used to be. Bridge Hamlet. I was going to say the bridge got knocked down and it's just a little sty over the <laughs> river now. There's nothing wrong with it. It's really sweet, but it kind of like follows on the same vein of verse one and verse two. There you are on the street, standing there waiting on me and I show you my new shoes. You say you, say you love them and baby, without you, I'd be a stranger in an all night diner. So it kind of employs that same technique of like flipping the song on its head that she uses in the last Great American Dynasty. How um, she describes, you know, she describes Holiday House in verse one and verse two, and then it just gets to verse three and it flips on its head and she's like, and the house is mine. I really, really like it when she does that in songs. Yeah. Yeah. Really I just, like that. It's very much, like you say, it's literally like a third verse, even the way it's structured there's mm. nothing different about it but it, it does sound very personal like I don't even know how you'd make that up it's almost like till Brad Pitt comes along level personal mm. there yeah. you are on the street just standing there waiting on me and I show you my new shoes it's this very it's almost like mundane like very like Lana Del Rey Lord early work-esque of like just the everyday nuances of life and like seeing romance in that which I think is really, really, really sweet. And if you, if you ever listen to any of Lana Del Rey's work, especially Chemtrails, you know that that's what her work is. It's just filled with finding romance in small, everyday, not necessarily glamorous things. Yeah. But it's interesting because Lana Del Rey and Lord, they weren't artists when Taylor wrote that song. I would also say that kind of that observation makes it more likely that it's a real song, like based on real situations rather than mm. fictional. But I don't know. I, I would, if I had to put money on it, I would say it was inspired by Drew the First. Drew the First, as opposed to, wait, no, technically Drew the First isn't who you think it is. Crap, that's a fair point. Drew the Second. Okay. Oh, but that messes it up. That doesn't sound the same. Okay. I it think doesn't. It was, I think it was inspired by Drew Dunlap. Me too. I, I do agree with that. And I, I don't know why, but I, it does sound 2005. And there's really, really nothing concrete to discern it from 2006, maybe 2004, because was she writing with Liz in 2004? I think like towards the end of it, they met because they met in Nashville, didn't they? Yeah, I think they met yeah. and they wrote Nevermind together as the first song. Yeah. But if it's a Liz Rose co-write, you know it's 2004 onwards. And most of their stuff came in 2005 anyway. Lovely song. Interestingly, we did want to talk about a song by an artist called Jewel. Now, the Jewel song is called You Were Meant For Me. And 
it pretty much follows the exact same lyric pattern and tempo as All Night Diner. And we know that Taylor is a big, big fan of Jewel and was especially even back then. However, Amy, when do you think Jewel released You Were Meant For Me? Now, Rachel has, Rachel has Googled this, but she won't tell me the answer. <laughs> I am going to say, I feel like there wouldn't be controversy if Jewel released after this song was written. So I think I'm going to say it was released in 2003. 1995. Really? Which I, I get why Taylor would be hesitant to release it, I guess, because it... It pretty much is like a whole lyric pattern lifted off of You Were Meant For Me. But I mean, come on, it was 10 years. Like, it was 10 years. Have you seen Olivia Rodrigo's Sour album? Like, have you seen the amount of samples? And there's nothing wrong with sampling music. There's nothing wrong with it. If anything, it's quite a clever marketing move. Can you imagine All Night Diner, Davey Vault featuring Jewel? That's just occurred to me. would be incredible. So That really would. Basically, I'm looking at the lyrics for Jewel now, and I think it's mainly the verse melody and structure that's lifted, not necessarily not the chorus. As far as the controversy goes in terms of unreleased songs and being quite similar to released songs in I'd Lie as well. Yes. I think we are more likely to get All Night Diner than I'd Lie because I think that, I don't know, I feel like Jewel would be more open to it because I think I've seen some shady TikToks about I'd lie really yeah what no spill what have you seen no I've seen the you can't say that I can't remember the scene god what was the artist or band that did the Saving Jane Saving Jane yeah Saving Jane that's it Girl Next Door or something isn't it yes Um, and I've seen a couple of shady TikToks from the lead singer of that saying kind of Taylor never contacted them about any similarities between you belong with me and I'd lie and it's still a very blurred line I would Mm. say all night diner is a good contender for the debut vault I fully think it is I would be very very shocked if we didn't get do you have any theories potentially as to why it didn't make the album oh yeah because it sounded too much like Jules you were meant for me but other than that other than that we know that she didn't ever want to be boxed into saying that she did too many of one thing with the debut album and I think that's why she released so many different songs from like 2003 up until 2006 so I think that she kind of already had like the romantic love song side of the debut covered and that's why All Night Diner didn't make the cut that's what about fair. you I I would agree I think that just a case of of that genre of Taylor songs Mm. there were better ones out there like Tim McGraw Tim McGraw is such an underrated song like I feel like it's so underrated because it's her debut yeah but it's so good lyrically sonically hate that word everything about that is so good the entire the entire 1989 era traumatized me for the words sonically cohesive so true (laughs) so true I mean, I would say All Night Diner potentially would have fit instead of something like Perfectly Good Heart. I do think it would have Mm. been Perfectly Good Heart shouldn't have been on the debut album. It's a hill I'll stand and die on. But something more akin to I'd Lie should have replaced it rather than a ballad. Yeah. Do you think like, I mean, Perfectly Good Heart's not a bad song. It's not her best work by far. It's catchy. It's it's cool. I like it. But she does have better unreleased songs. Exactly. And I wonder why that went on there. Like, do you think it was because of Perfectly Good Heart, the demo had already been produced for it? Like, and it was a great, great, great cut. 
I guess maybe she didn't have demos of other songs like All Night Diner and it would have been more work than it was worth almost to to reproduce I, these songs. I am so conflicted because mm. we know that there were fully produced demos of Dark Blue Tennessee, just south of Knowing Why, and What Do You Say? Because mm. Rob Ellis Oral confirmed it when we were talking to him on our podcast. And if you haven't heard yeah. the episode, you should definitely check it out. It's absolutely fascinating. You really should. Everyone has said that's our best episode yet. I don't know why Perfectly Good Heart got on there, but it did somehow. But she was holding on to a lot of songs for Fearless. True. Do you remember when she did that interview when she was like, I'm, I'm lazy, I'm greedy. Like I've written enough songs to keep them all for like my next five albums and I wouldn't have to lift a finger. I do think that she was planning on releasing them at later dates, but then changed her mind as she got older. Which is so sad. But she's been talking about doing this vault since 2009. True. I remember she did an interview where um, it was for the Fearless um platinum re-release and she was like yeah one day i might release this box of like weird unreleased things i don't know if anyone would want that and i remember when she joined my live stream in 2017 i was like girl you remember when you said this like i'm holding you accountable we still want that we still want it so you're welcome everyone no this, i'm joking but <laughs> no, the whole vault this whole vault thing with the re-releases it it's thanks to rachel it was me i yeah. called tree no <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, I do. I do. You think there's a good chance of getting all night diner on the vault? Yes or no? Yeah. And do you want it? Yeah, because I think it's the most like folklore and evermore. I see that in in like the poetry and even just the sound, like cardigan. Think about like I knew you. You know, leaving like a father, running like water. It's like lonely, like a harbor light that's never seen a boat, like a line in a love letter never wrote. Like I agree, the choruses. Sorry, the verses could use a bit of work to be up to the standard of the choruses. It's kind of like the chorus was what she came up with first and the verses were written around it. Yeah. Which which is common. That's what happens sometimes. But yeah. I would agree that it's definitely a contender. Although I would maybe say there are a couple I would rather see on there. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. But I suppose you don't know if you're in love with the song until you hear it fully produced. Like like we said with That's When. True. Firstly, didn't think much of it, won't lie. But when we heard it on the Fearless Vault, fully produced, I was like, holy shit, this is good. This is good. And you don't get that on the on the acoustic demo. Sometimes you do, like the We Were Happy demo. Yeah. Personally, still prefer the piano demo. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. But don't forget to follow us on Instagram and subscribe to our mailing list for exclusives. Thank you for listening. And we will see you again next week with a new episode of the Swift Legacy podcast. <laughs>